Welcome to the divine service this morning. Usually we save announcements for the end of the divine service and we'll uh, have a brief announcement about the picnic at that time. But I wanted to share with you a letter to the congregation from Reverend Anthony Dodgers. As most everyone knows uh, by now, our congregation extended a divine call to him uh, to be associate pastor and headmaster here at Peace Lutheran Church and Academy. So last evening, uh, about eight o'clock, he called me on the phone, and then uh, later on that evening, he sent this letter, which I now share with you. Dear Saints in Christ, after much prayer and deliberation, I have concluded that I must return the call to serve as your associate pastor and headmaster. It was an incredible honor that you chose me to serve you in these positions. I also hope you will believe me when I say that there was nothing in your congregation or academy that caused me doubt. I loved everything I saw in my visit and everything I heard in my conversations. In some ways, the call to serve you and your children was everything I would look for in a call. My commitment to Lutheran classical education remains strong, and I know you match that commitment. I pray that you will not lose hope, but continually commend your congregation and academy into the loving and almighty hands of our gracious Father. If I may, I'll offer a brief explanation for returning this call. The best advice I have ever heard on considering a call is that if you cannot reach a confident, peaceful decision in the time given, then you should return the call. You know that I have recently become engaged to a wonderful Lutheran woman. I have included my fiance in this decision-making process as much as possible, but neither of us feel that we have been able to reach a confident final answer. Due to schedule conflicts, she wasn't able to visit for herself, and too many questions remain for both of us. We have already asked for more time, but at the end of these four weeks, I know that since I have not reached a peaceful decision, I must return the call at this time. We can blame things on bad timing or lack of information, but in the end, we must faithfully conclude with the words of the hymn, what God ordains is always good, he never will deceive me. He leads me in his righteous way, and never will he leave me. I take content what he has sent. His hand that sends me sadness will turn my tears to gladness. LSB hymn 760, verse 2. I will continue to keep you all in my prayers, and I know that the Lord of the church will provide a pastor and headmaster for you in his own good time your servant in Christ, Reverend Anthony C. Dodgers. And then, uh, just to add a little bit of color to that, I thought I would share with you the brief uh, note in the email uh, that he sent to me to which his letter to the congregation was attached. Uh, it's a personal one, but I don't, I don't think he would mind me sharing it with you. He writes, Dear Peter, attached is my letter, uh, this was also, I should say, after our phone conversation. So, Attached is my letter. I am sure you are disappointed, and I wouldn't blame you if you were disappointed in me. 
I pray that this will not necessarily end the relationship so newly begun between us, which it will not. I have known who you are for many years and always held you in high regard. Now, even though I have known you personally for only a few short months, I respect you even more and would like to consider you as a friend, brother, and father in Christ. You and peace will be in my prayers. In Christ, Anthony. So I, I think we'll probably have the uh, uh, letter posted for your availability, the one to the congregation. And um, uh, some asked, where does uh, we go from here? Well, back through the, the process with Board of Education and Board of Elders to um, continue to move forward uh, towards, as he indicates, calling a headmaster and associate pastor. So uh, thank you for your attention. We continue with the opening hymn.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, you have prepared for those who love you good things that surpass all understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the fifth Sunday after Trinity is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Lord said to Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, 
that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Also, you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel-Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And Elisha left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? So Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh, using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle is recorded in the Apostle Paul's first letter, chapter 1. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach... Christ crucified, 
to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. So it was as the multitude pressed about Jesus to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Jews request a sign, Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. The foolishness of the cross, the message of the gospel, it's absurd to human reason. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son to become incarnate in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and then to go to the cross, carrying the sins of the world and suffering the punishment that we deserve for our sin. The world considers that nonsense and foolishness, but for us it is the power of God. Because for us as Christians, there is forgiveness and life and comfort from sin nowhere else but in the message of the gospel of what God in undeserved love did for us in his son. In the Holy Gospel for today, we have the familiar account at the beginning of Jesus' ministry of the miraculous catch of fish. After this miracle, Simon Peter fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Simon, Peter, Simon as he is called in this text, was right. He was a sinful man. But he was wrong. Because he asked the opposite of what he needed. He needed Jesus. He needed a Savior. The events of today's gospel happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, who was a colleague of his in the fishing industry on the Sea of Galilee, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, had already met Jesus and become his disciples when they were baptized under the ministry of John the Baptist down in Judea at the Jordan River. The event in today's gospel took place after that event. They had gone back to the business that was their livelihood. They were called in today's gospel into the office of the apostolic ministry. It was for them from this day forward the beginning of a three-year catechesis with Jesus that would prepare them to be apostolic ministers. And they had a lot to learn before they could be faithful apostles. The three years of intensive training that the twelve went through before being ordained apostles in the upper room on Easter night is why our seminary education is three years long, plus a year of vicarage or internship under an ordained pastor. 
we might ask ourselves the question, what did Peter need to learn? Did he need to learn the biblical languages of Hebrew and Greek? No, he already knew them. I wish I had been in his shoes. Did he need to learn the liturgical practice of the synagogue and of the temple? Practices that in many ways would be carried over into the church? No, he already knew those practices. What about the history of the Old Testament church and the Lord's faithful dealings with that church? No, he knew that history too. Peter needed to learn both the problem of human sin and what it really is in all of its darkness. And the miracle of God's grace in Christ Jesus proclaimed in the gospel in all of its brilliance. He needed to learn, for example, that the problem of human sin is a corruption that is so pervasive that it infects every aspect of a person's life. Sin bends us inward. It makes us selfish. It causes even the good things that a sinner does to be done at least in part for what sort of benefit might accrue to him if he does something nice for someone else. Sin makes the sinner self-righteous and defensive. It makes him angry when he doesn't get his way. It causes a person to pout if he feels that he is not sufficiently appreciated. And it causes him to boast, like the Pharisee, that he was better than others. It causes a person to love himself at the expense of others. And it's noted with a lack of mercy. Sin makes it impossible for a person to love God. A sinner will never willingly own up to who he is as a sinner and what he has done. Sinfulness leads to anxiety, despair, fear, and hatred. The scriptures clearly teach that when a sinner is confronted by the truth of his sin in all of its horror, there are one of two responses. He will either deny, make excuses, and rationalize to try to justify himself, or he will despair of himself because his sin is so horrible that he cannot believe that there is any hope of salvation for him because of it. And this last state is what happened to Simon Peter. We've got to make clear that Peter and James and John and the others, they believed in Jesus after their baptism in the Jordan River. But like all of us, they still had a lot to learn through the things that they would experience and suffer in their lives about the problem of sin and the all-sufficiency of the grace of God. They had a lot to learn about the miraculous power of God's grace and forgiveness. In the gospel, there's a lot of references to Simon Peter's faith in Jesus. It is seen in the early part of the narrative. 
Peter was among those who pressed about Jesus, as Luke records, to hear the word of God. Though he and his colleagues, after a night of fishing, were washing their nets, it was Simon Peter's boat that Jesus entered into with Peter. Put out a little from the land, he said, and Simon did so. Jesus then, from Simon's boat, sat down and taught the multitudes, while Simon Peter was at his side. One may wonder, what did Jesus preach in this sermon in Simon Peter's boat? The answer to that question can be found just by looking at the witness of the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke alone, and see the character and nature of the preaching there as he calls sinners away from self-reliance to reliance upon him. The previous chapter, Luke chapter 4, testifies to Jesus' power over the demons, casting them out. Peter witnessed those things. It included also his power over disease and how Jesus had entered into the very home of Simon Peter's mother-in-law and healed her. Simon Peter witnessed these events and the power of Jesus' word to bring healing and forgiveness and deliverance from evil. He witnessed Jesus' compassion for so many. So there can be little doubt that Jesus called the people in his preaching away from reliance upon themselves to reliance upon him. Even though Simon was a baptized believer in Jesus, he still needed to learn. As we all need to learn throughout our lives, pastors and laymen alike, how desperately every moment of our life is dependent upon the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. He needed to learn that though the problem of sin is devastating and too powerful for anyone to overcome, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to rescue them, and that his forgiveness is the one thing they needed to hear and receive and believe more than anything else. Any notion that Peter could contribute in the slightest to his salvation had to die in him. Total reliance upon Jesus' forgiveness is not only what Simon Peter needed to receive for his own salvation. It is also what he needed to rely upon as a future minister of Christ. Or he could in no way be faithful to his Lord. The message of God's grace and mercy in Christ. The message that you cannot save yourself or contribute to your salvation in any way. The message that though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. The message that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The message that what Christ has done for you in his death and resurrection is that which justifies you and declares you righteous and makes it possible for you to have life with God. That message needed to be learned and received by Simon Peter and also by us. 
It is the still, small voice spoken of in 1 Kings 19 that forgives sin, takes away despair, justifies us before God, and comforts the troubled conscience. It is this small yet powerful voice of God's grace that Simon needed to learn, or he could never be an apostle. The same is true for us. So after his sermon, Jesus said to Simon, launch out into the deep and lay down, let down your nets for a catch. Again, Simon shows his faith in Jesus, confessing, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done so, they caught a great multitude of fish, and that catch of fish was so great, unlike anything they had caught in Lake Gennesaret prior to or since, that they had to call the other boat to them, and both boats began to sink. There were so many fish. All of these things that Jesus did from the preaching and the casting out of demons and the healing of the sick in Luke chapter 4, all of these things came together in Simon's mind. He had cast out demons. He had rescued my mother-in-law from the precipice of death. He had healed so many. He had preached a message of comfort and hope, and now he commands even the sea, and there is an overwhelming catch of fish. Simon's reaction is one of a sinner who finally realized that he was in the presence of God himself, the Holy Son of God. In that moment, he had a deep sense of his own unworthiness, and he says, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. It is as if he were saying, Lord, I am far too sinful to be in your presence I am a despicable man. I am shot through and through with sin. It taints all of my actions and thoughts. I am full of selfishness and pride. I am not worthy to be in your presence. Perhaps you have been where Peter was in that moment, saying to yourself, Lord, I am not worthy to come into your presence. I'm losing the battle with sin. I've got to clean up my act first. Then I can enter into the divine service. When the opposite is what is needed. Simon Peter had a lot to learn. He was spot on right about his sin. But he was dead wrong about what he needed from Jesus and what Jesus came to give. And Simon Peter, like so many Christians, even though they believe in Jesus, have not even begun to plumb the depths of his love and to understand the overwhelming sacrifice that he made by grace alone, apart from any merit or worthiness in us. Did you notice that I continued to refer to Peter by his surname Simon? In Luke 5, it's Simon throughout. He's sometimes called then Simon Peter. Why is that? Peter was the name that the Lord would give Simon at a later date. 
once Simon began to understand and confess his total reliance upon the grace of his Lord. The message of God's free grace and forgiveness in Christ would be the salvation of Simon's soul and the rock of salvation that he would proclaim as Peter, rock, the apostle. But it was early. He still had a lot to learn about the power and all-sufficiency of God's grace in Christ. But it all began on that day when he was called to be a fisher of men. The still, small, yet powerful voice of Jesus' forgiveness is what Simon needed to hear and learn and depend upon more than anything else as an apostolic minister. It would transform both his life and his ministry as an apostle. It would be at the heart of the message he proclaimed, the foolishness of the message preached, the foolishness of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Like Paul, who resolved to know nothing but the foolishness of the cross, Simon would learn that the forgiveness of sins is the power of God for salvation of the worst of sinners. So Jesus spoke that word to Simon. Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. Fascinating linkage. Do not be afraid is the word of forgiveness and absolution. And he immediately links it into the call to the apostolic ministry. Using human reason, you and I would never have chosen a sinner like Peter to be an apostle. And I'm here to tell you, I would never have chosen myself to be a pastor. Do not be afraid is a word of forgiveness, the word of absolution. But it's inextricably linked to the call into the ministry. I will make you fishers of men. Unless a man learns the forgiveness of sins for himself as the greatest sinner and as the greatest gift, this forgiveness that Christ gives, he cannot be a faithful minister. Unless the Christian learns that Jesus' forgiveness really is for him as the gift of God's grace, he cannot know the comfort and the power of a forgiven heart and conscience. Luther said in the large catechism, toward forgiveness is directed everything in the church. All of the activities, everything a minister does, Simon Peter had a lot to learn. He would learn the power of Jesus' forgiveness. And he would learn dependence upon the grace of God in that forgiveness from that day forward. Every pastor must learn this word of free forgiveness in Christ. And value it above all else for himself and his ministry. King David could never have written so many of the psalms that bring such comfort to us had he not been restored to the Lord by the forgiving word of God's grace. Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor and murderer of Christians, would never have become the Apostle Paul had not the word of Jesus' forgiveness touched his heart and transformed his life.
Simon, never would have become Peter had the Lord Jesus not forgiven him for blaspheming and denying his Lord three times. I often ask men considering the office of the holy ministry, why do you want to become a pastor? The answer that I want to hear more than any other is that they want other sinners to receive the same comfort of the forgiveness of sins in Christ which they themselves have received and which has been the sole source of eternal comfort and joy for them. Simon was right. He was a sinful man. But he needed Jesus, and so do we. Jesus is not repulsed by you. He came to save you from all your sins. This is at the heart of the church's ministry and what we cling to as Christians. And we learn to pray with King David. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways. Forgiveness received results in forgiveness proclaimed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us confess the faith with the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God of hosts, you speak to us in the still small voice 
of your word, calling us from self-reliance in repentant faith to reliance upon your Son. Do not let us despise your word, but grant us to gladly hear and receive it, Lord, in your mercy. Lord God of hosts, cast the cloak of ministry upon a new generation of pastors that we may continue to hear your word and receive your gifts and that other lost souls may be caught up in the gracious net of the gospel. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, we commend to you Rosie Copling, Anders Rohde, Mitchell Dubnicka, and Gus Kittemeyer celebrating baptismal birthdays this week. Uphold them with your grace that they may be faithful unto death. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, we give thanks to you for the gift of holy matrimony and your sustaining grace to John and Marty Bruss celebrating a wedding anniversary this week. Continue to uphold them according to your promise that being faithful to each other, they may bear witness to your love in this world. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God of hosts, give us faith to let down the nets of your word in our daily vocations and trust your son to do his gracious work through poor sinners like us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, God of armies, we commend to you Jessica Franklin, John Franklin, Robert Haga, Yvonne, Mark Miley, David, all who serve in the armed forces of our congregation. Uphold them with your grace and spirit. Protect them in harm's way. Give them courage and preserve them in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God of hosts, Bless all those who govern us in the civil realm. We give thanks to you as we celebrate our nation's independence. Keep us from the folly of opposing your word and your church. Grant that the rule of law may, be gov- may govern in our country and society for the maintenance of justice, the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of those who do well. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God of hosts, bless John Leiter, Kevin Karras, Mary McMiller, Jeremy LaFore, James Loker, Tom Pinzel, Gabby Hartwig, Timothy Kinney, Erwin Cabrera, Jim Nietzsche, Abu Ryeba Amaso, Jill Franklin, and Allison Whitty, and all who suffer in body or mind in our midst. Preserve them in the truth that since Christ is at their right hand, they cannot be shaken. Make their flesh dwell securely and give them peace in the promise that you will not abandon their souls to Sheol. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God of hosts, we commend to you the family of Anne Lagaki, neighbor of the Gatchels who died suddenly on Saturday. Comfort them with the gospel of your son. Grant them to know the promise of the resurrection to eternal life for all who believe in Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. All these things, and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again, and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We continue with hymn 688. You may be seated. 
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, who with your only begotten Son and the Holy Spirit are one God, one Lord. In the confession of the only true God, we worship the Trinity in person and the unity and substance of majesty co-equal. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have had mercy on those whom you created and sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy, we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive Renew and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, to you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. O Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, in giving us your body and blood to eat and to drink, 
you lead us to remember and confess your holy cross and passion, your blessed death, your rest in the tomb, your resurrection from the dead, your ascension into heaven, and your coming for the final judgment. So remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. O God, the Father, the fountain and source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in this sacrament. And we ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.